You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good evening. Thank you very much for listening. This is episode 57 of the Saturday edition of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. It's Friday the 21st of October and my name's Charlotte Greenway. Shortly we'll get some insight into a few of the runners this weekend from Doncaster, Cheltenham and Mooney Valley all on Saturday. But first, a recap on the main news stories this week. On Monday, the Jockey Club confirmed that following an extensive period of consultation, the Cheltenham Festival will remain at four days for the foreseeable future instead of moving to five, which did come as a bit of a pleasant surprise to most. And here's what the Chief Executive of the Jockey Club, Nevin Truesdale, had to say about why they came to this decision. We've been through a very detailed and rigorous process. We've actually ended up speaking to or hearing from over 3,000 people as part of that. Um, everybody um, across the industry stakeholder groups, you would expect trainers, owners, jockeys, but also sponsors, media, um, and so on. And that has been probably one of the most rigorous processes I've been involved with. And, it, and in the end, you know, there, there's a number of, uh, there's frankly a multitude of different factors here. Um, but I think when you look at the um, compelling case that was presented in the research for a, um, a significant number of people coming along on a Saturday, and that definitely came across. Um, there were reasonably significant counterpoints to that. You know, there are clearly challenges of ground um, and the t- current track configuration, which we looked into in, in a fair bit of detail as part of this. And obviously, that was something that we um, we were very keen to factor in from a from a from from a, from a racing point of view. That's a, that's an important factor. Um, we're we're also looking at what we're hearing through you know, the industry stakeholder management. We're we're listening to the room, if you will. I think that's really important for us as a business to be able to look beyond just um, our own business and look towards the industry, you know, in line with our Royal Charter commitment, and 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 really listen to what people are telling us. But also, then you, you layer in you know, things like the wider macro economy, um, the fact that we're potentially heading into quite a quite a challenging period, or arguably already in it. Um, and, and you get to, based on a, a very finely balanced set of um, conclusions, you, you, you get to a conclusion that you know is, is, is definitely the right one and one that we're very comfortable with. Anybody involved or interested in horse racing realises that something needs to change to increase the competitiveness of British horse racing. And this week, the BHA made an announcement regarding the changes to next year's fixture list. We'd been hoping for a large decrease and... Here's Nick with what we actually got, followed by comment from the Chief Operating Officer at the BHA, Richard Wayman. So the headline was that 170 races would be strategically cut. Hurrah, everyone cheered until you realised that those would be redistributed elsewhere in the programme and that some seven race cards would become six race cards in the summer. Is this not evidence that actually this idea that the BHA has been granted a mandate to govern a complete nonsense really you're you're having to bend to the will of the race courses who don't want any major cutting of fixtures for obvious and perfectly understandable reasons but are happy to take what you would call strategic cuts to to races so long as that effect is mitigated elsewhere in the year really nothing's changed you're just shuffling the decks around uh, deck chairs around on the titanic 
Well, I mean, I, I first thing, I, I wouldn't call the announcement yesterday strategic. They were a low, they were a number of tactical measures that we have introduced to try and improve things in 2023. The, 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 the strategic work is the work that we're now undertaking for 2024 and beyond, which is asking ourselves much bigger questions around how do we want our sport to look in the years ahead? And, and the stuff that was announced yesterday was, was a much more immediate um what can we do in the short term, bearing in mind the fixture list that had been published two or three months ago, what can we do with the tools available to us to try and improve things in, in 2023? Mm. So I would absolutely say, you know, I'd try and be absolutely clear on this, that the measures yesterday were not strategic measures. These were just tactical improvements that we believe will make a difference next year. Now time for the racing previews. The feature meeting in the UK this weekend is Doncaster on Saturday, where they host the final British Group 1 of the year, the Vertem Futurity Stakes for two-year-olds over a mile. It's a race that Aidan O'Brien has dominated in the past, and he won it last year with Luxembourg. The market is headed this time by his beautifully bred colt by Deep Impact out of Rhododendron, August Rodan, who won a Group 2 at Leopardstown last time over the same trip, where he looked a really strong stayer in the making. Carl Burke runs Chesham winner Holloway Boy, who could be of interest wearing first-time headgear. However, a really intriguing runner, who's extremely hard to gauge, is King of Steel. He won on debut at Nottingham a couple of weeks ago and gained plenty of attention, one for the manner of his victory, but two for being an absolute giant of a horse. It's a big step up after just one star, and so Nick put a call into his trainer Dave Lochnan to see what prompted the decision to run this colt owned by Ammo Racing tomorrow. Um... <sighs> Been brave, I suppose. Um, look, Kiki and the team at Ammo have been um, have put a lot into the sport, and they want to compete at the top level. Um, and look, it's 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 a big ask going from a novice into a Group One, but he visually did everything we could have asked and more. So we just thought, you know, no, no problem. And uh, it's a smallish field with only eight runners. We'll uh, roll the dice and see what happens. And look, if it works, we look like geniuses, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. We've always got next year. So it goes without saying he's come out of the race well and moved forward for that. Um, in, term, in terms of how genuinely good you think he is, you, you've trained a lot of very good two-year-olds, but of a very different type. What, what talent do you think is in there? To be totally honest, Nick, I don't know. Um, I don't feel we've even scratched the surface. Um, I'd said to, to Key and the guys before his first run, we've never had him off the bridle and we genuinely hadn't. And that was his first time off the bridle when he ran in Nottingham. He just does everything so comfortably within himself. We've never had to take him off the bridle. Um, so even now, he certainly has sharpened up mentally and physically for his first run. But again, we, we've, look, it's only, it's only nine days ago since he ran. So we've only ticked him over. But um, I, I don't think we've scratched the surface with him yet. What would be a satisfactory result? Uh, look, finishes in the top four. It's a great run. Second start to go and, to go and be placed in a group one would be phenomenal. Um, but look, we're, we're, we're not there to be making up numbers. We want to be winning if, if we have a chance of winning. Captain Veersbart, known for being the horse that Ross Orion was elbowed out of the saddle on, also runs, and Rafe Beckett just gave a very quick line on him in the week. Yeah, I mean, he, he's more of a three-year-old type, you know, his pedigree would 
lean you that way. I think they'll stay a good deal further than seven, which is um, why he was running in a, over a mile at, uh, at Saint Cloud, or mm. would have done. I think uh, ground is quite important to him, especially at this stage of his career. Jump racing is going up through the gears as Cheltenham hosts their showcase meeting today and tomorrow. It may lack a little bit of quality in general due to the quicker than normal ground, but the feature tomorrow certainly doesn't. The Masterson Holdings hurdle over two miles for four-year-olds is where the 1-2 from the Grade 1 juvenile hurdler entry will reoppose each other. Pied Piper was first past the post that day tonight's salute. However, placings were reversed in the stewards' room afterwards for interference. Pied Piper is favourite to make amends tomorrow, and Tom Stanley caught up with his trainer Gordon Elliott on Wednesday to get the latest on his horse and find out how straight he's got him for his first run of the season. Yeah, he's in good form. We're happy with him. Um, obviously, it's his first run after a break. He will come on a bit further, but just looks a nice start point ten. Especially with Andrew and Jeremy Brown with Caldwell Construction being there, UK based, it's nice to have a lot of them over there, you know. And, and, you know, Cheltenham, I mean, that Cheltenham performance last year, obviously leading into the triumph, and he ran great in the triumph too, but the, but the, Chel- the, the, the performance leading into it was, was electric. It, do, you, do you sort of feel that, you know, Cheltenham is his track? Uh, look, it seems he's run there a couple of times, he's run very well at us. Um, I suppose the one thing I can tell you, he will come on the rest of the run, but. Is he a champion hurdle horse, Gordon? I look, he's going to have to improve on pasture. I got him juvenile pasture, but um, listening in the mix, and I suppose the next couple of weeks could help, 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 help us a lot more, you know. And I mean, is that is that the only realistic target he's going to have this year, or, or or might you mix it up? Could he jump a fence this year, or does he stay hurdling? No, he'd stay hurdling this year, definitely. You know, he definitely won't jump a fence this year. I know he's big enough to jump a fence, and him, but I think at the moment he'd stay hurdling, to be right. honest. I mean, this the, the champion hurdle division this year. Maybe we come into every year saying it looks strong, but my God, this year there's depth to it, isn't there? Yeah, it looks strong, alright. It looks strong, but um, listen, he he's got a lot of different roles to go because obviously he uh, he doesn't have a great one penalty, so he's uh, we can step back grade twos or threes with the after John sees. But look, we start about Cheltenham and we learn a lot about the rest of the year. Um, all right, I, I know you've de- declared five or six for Friday. You're going to have a few going Saturday. Are you worried about the ground at all? Is it going to be quicker than ideal for a few of yours, do you think? Uh, look, a lot of the horses are running our horses. I've probably had to run a lot summer and summer, so it won't mind them. But I suppose there is one or two if it was very quick, it wouldn't be ideal. But look, I'm sure Cheltenham is always a very, very good job done on the ground. Um, but, you know, it's just been a horse the way the weather's been so good, you know, and um, Okay, and and just anything you you know is likely to to rock up on on Saturday. Will Tully Beg likely rock up in the handicap chase? Tully Beg on Friday. Um, you know, Friday the handicap chase. Um, Saturday we've got chemical energy. We've got pipe pipe or. Um, I've five or six runners to be honest. So actually, yeah. standing on the gallop here, spilling brain, and it's happened a lot of fun to me. But uh, we're five or six hundred balls. Okay, yeah, Tully Beg going in the in the novices limited handicap chase. That's right. He was also in the uh, in the the open handicap chase. Um, and do you know what you're going to do, Munster National wise, yet, Gordon? Uh, I think I've got ten or something. I'll probably run six or seven. I'll be well. Um, so I have to confirm that I was asked to do with what she asked this morning, and we 
the only Ireland that will make a minor video. Okay, you know what I'm going to ask you next because you've got so many in it. What one or two that you feel might be really suited by the test that you're looking forward to in the Munster National? Look, Jack Dempsey runs well fresh, um, you know, so he's probably he could come in on, you know. And if you're listening to this pre-7.10am on Saturday morning, then the next guest will be of interest to you because it's jockey James McDonald who rides favourite Animo in the Cox Plate at Mooney Valley and he spoke to Nick about how he believes the race will play out. Yeah, no, everything's gone really well. Nick, it's, um, his, his work during the week's been spot on. He's a very happy and happy horse at the moment and um, he's going into the Cox played obviously with a two week um, set up so he's, he's set up to run really well fourth up um, he, he should be peaking on the right day I think 2000 metres is obviously his best trip and obviously we've got to go up against a, a great horse like Zaki who's who's a front runner and leader will give us definitely something to chase and then you but he's well up to it Animo um, we've got Al Bonagon as you guys would all know um, in the race he looks a, a smart prospect as well so it's um, there's a few unknowns as well I mean this horse you didn't ride him last year in the race uh, Craig Williams did but he was beaten a short head by state of rest I, I I spent about an hour watching the footage of that stewards inquiry and I'm still not quite sure how how Animo didn't get the race and the state of rest fan club will be throwing stuff at the <laughs> their devices listening to that but he was he was a bit unlucky wasn't he oh yeah it was for sure but and, and he was a he's a young three-year-old then um he, he was just coming off a, a mile mile run obviously winning the guineas um very impressively this year obviously an end tire um he's fully furnished he's very full of himself and he's had a beautiful platform to really run this race to the best of his ability so really there's no excuses he's got a lovely gait he should give every every opportunity to um, get a really economical trip in transit and hopefully um, he, he, he it's second time lucky for Anima. I must ask you about uh, Zaki because he's a horse you know so well uh, is, is he is he still as good as he was do you think could he still fulfill that dream of, of winning a Cox Plate if he's on his A game Oh, for sure. He's um, the thing about Zaki is he's very consistent throughout um, the last two years. Albeit he hasn't run up to that um, booming, booming cup performance, but in saying that, he, he's he's run a very consistent mark all the way through at the highest level. Um, he's a horse that makes his own luck up on speed. I can see him leading this Cox Plate, and if the track is playing quick rail, well, then he's going to enhance his chances even more. But he looks the, definitely the one to beat. Obviously, there's Al Bodegon, as I just mentioned before, who, who looks to quite a smart prospect from up north coming down. Um, they've got a good record in it as well. But uh, And he looks like he makes his own luck up on speed as well. But I think Animo's got a... He's, he's a there's something about him that he's he's got a, a a bullet in his arsenal where he can fire and he's going to look very exceptional. He's uh, like last start, it was you had to see it to believe it. He he lost several a couple of lengths on the corner and then like champions do, they rally and 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 win with quite authority in the end with his ears pricked. So he's got a bit up his sleeve and I think just. I gained a lot of confidence out of his setup. I think he's um, he's fourth up, ready to really peak. 
So another weekend of dual purpose action to enjoy. Nick will then be back with you on Monday morning with a review of the action and the latest news, while you can also expect plenty of build-up to the Melbourne Cup a week on Tuesday. Thank you very much once again for listening and have a lovely weekend. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.